What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Hindsightless, the sporadic podcast where I talk about life, role-playing games, or whatever else I might be talking about inside of my mind, because I forget how my intro goes sometimes. But I mostly talk about role-playing games, because sometimes they let you play as an eight-year-old girl with massive amounts of firepower. I know I just put out an episode, but as I'll mention later on, as soon as I published that episode, I was like, shit, there's more things I want to say about that Wrath of the Righteous session. And luckily, Carl Rodriguez, the GMologist, presents, called in right away with a question about what I was talking about. And I was like, yes, thank you, Carl. That gives me a perfect excuse. <laughs> so it's just going to be a quick episode today. I got a call from Carl asking a question about the Wrath of the Righteous session. I got a call from Spike Pit dropping some knowledge about uh, campaign building. And then I have my review of the 1984 movie Firestarter that I just finished watching. So let's get into it. I guess I should make maybe make a RPG comment. Um, so did your bad guys actively surrender and then they were cut down by a party of paladins i just want some clarification there i i guess i find that concerning but um maybe it's hard sometimes as a gm like you said you try to communicate while they're surrendering they're giving up um and uh it's not acknowledged or seen as that by the players and then murder hoboness ensues but uh, i guess i was shocked by that um generally speaking you know I, I guess that's why i like like morale checks in a lot of games even in more modern games i use like a will save or something so that there's a surrender I am really glad you called in with this question, Carl, because like I told you on Discord earlier, as soon as I pressed published on my last episode, I was like, God damn it, there's a bunch of more stuff I want to talk about. So yeah, thank you for this call, because it gives me the uh, excuse to do that. So first off, to address your call, man, yeah, uh, the party isn't all paladins. There is only two paladins. Patty and Haven, those are the only two paladins. We also have an oracle, which is kind of like a cleric, but less religious-y, uh, a monk, and uh, a bard named Nyx. So yeah, only two out of the five members are paladins, so it's not all paladins. And to the, the, the bad guys did not surrender. So when I, when I said that, you know, I, I told the party that the bad guys said that thing. Like, we, they pointed, and in Husilla's voice, they said, we killed your leader, and now you belong to us. Basically, those were her words to them, that they were just parroting back to the party. But after they said that, they certainly didn't throw down their weapons. They were still brandishing their weapons in a hostile position, but they were holding their actions to see what the party would do. Because from their perspective... A bunch of folks just kicked in the front door and started killing everyone. And yeah, they were a bunch of bad guys, but still, the bad guys don't want to be murdered either. So they're not feeling super comfortable about just giving up and dropping their weapons. So they're just kind of waiting to see what would happen. And then the fight continued on Randor's turn. He rocked up and just, 
you know, went for it. And so then they're like, okay, they're still going to be attacking us. So we're going to attack them back. Um, but that's what happened. And yeah, it was actually a really cool session. So, you know, they didn't get as far as I was thinking maybe they would get, but there, there's some really good reasons why not. <laughs> there was a massive amount of information dumped on the party because they found a note and they found a desk. And that took a lot of time for the players to get some really good detailed notes going. They opened up a new handout document on Roll20 that the whole party can edit and add to. And it's really cool. So now they have this whole new handout called Player Notes where they have a bunch of locations and names all listed that they found in this note. There was also a bunch of treasure they found that they had to divvy out magic items. And that always takes a little bit of time. You know, John Allen Large over at Red Dice Diaries, he just did an episode about divvying up the loot and how different groups go about it. And I thought the group did a pretty good job of getting the gear into the hands of the people that it would serve the best, where it would be most effective. It took them a little while to get there, but I feel like they did a really good job of making sure, okay, this will serve you best. You take this right now. And that's, that's cool, you know? Like there was a magic shield, and at first people were thinking that the shield would go to Haven the Paladin because Haven's character is big time using into using shields and stuff, but... Actually, her shield that she has now is better than this lesser shield, even though the lesser shield is magical. So the shield went to Subin the Oracle because oracles can use shields and he needs things to boost up his AC. So that was really good. We also came across a ring of climbing that Randor the monk ended up getting. That gives you a big bonus on your climb check. So now Randor can get all spider monkey about it. Climb up to the top rope, jump off, boom, atomic elbow. Um, but yeah, the big, the big ticket item that they came across was the magic sword. And yeah, Haven jumped on that. That would absolutely serve her the best, serve Haven the best. Because Patty the Paladin, he is a, he's got a magic two-handed hammer, so he doesn't want a one-handed weapon. And none of the other characters really use weapons, so it made the most sense for Haven to get it, and it was awesome. And because of that, that, that definitely takes a little bit of time, you know? Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, so it was a really fun session. Randor got his ass kicked. <laughs> That session, man, I don't know. These dudes had it out for Randor. Uh, he went down to, Randor went down to zero hit points at one time. But remember in Pathfinder, when you're at zero, you're not unconscious yet. If you take any actions, you will fall unconscious. But at zero, you're still on your feet and conscious. He got healed back up to like six hit points. And then on the next round, he took a spear to the chest for like 10 hit points and dropped to negative four and was bleeding out, dying, but got saved. Patty took some damage. Haven took some damage. The whole party was pretty spent. They used a shitload of healing potions, all of their spell slots, all of their lay on hands, a bunch of their channels. So this battle has definitely used a bunch of the party's resources 
which is cool. Like, <laughs> that's what you want, right? You give the party magic treasure and you want them to use it. Like, <laughs> it's awesome. I love that shit. And so it made perfect sense that the party wanted to rest up a little bit before they headed out into the maze. That made perfect sense. Going in there, as Jason pointed out, and probably a couple other players pointed out, in their current state would have been a really bad idea. It could have gotten real spicy in there with where they were at as far as resource-wise. So they went back, they healed up, they got some more information, and we'll be ready to go for the next session, which is on... uh, I think April 2nd, I'm pretty sure, is our next game. And I can't wait for that. That's going to be awesome. Go through the maze. Get out on the streets of Kennebris. And check out the aftermath. Because now they just spent another night underground, right? That's another another day of whatever is happening on the surface to continue to happen. You know, and they're going to find out. And it's awesome, man. I cannot wait. It was, like I said, a fun, fun session. So, Carl, thanks again for that. Giving me an excuse to talk more about it, dude. Super appreciate it. And, yeah, I mentioned Jules earlier. And you'll recall a few episodes ago, Jules called in asking for some advice on starting a new campaign, world building and stuff. Cause she's going to be starting a new campaign and she's building a world and everything. And I gave some meh advice, but we got a new, we got a new call about it. Spike pit old Colin called in with some awesome advice for Jules. So Jules, this one's for you. Oh, Joe, just listening to Jules and my heart goes out to her. It can be super overwhelming to come up with your own campaign as a DM. I personally like to start out with a map. Just find or make a map that I like, then pick a spot on the map or in consultation with your players, pick a spot on the map that is maybe inspiring a small focused location, throw a few characters in there, a bit of a story, and then spiral out from there. You could have a few broad brushstrokes related to what it is you want to do with the campaign but definitely don't don't spend a lot of time creating stuff that you may never come across in the course of play i would definitely advocate letting it evolve that's just my advice for what it's worth take care and i'll catch you later all the best jules and that is fantastic advice especially when you're first starting out Build what you need, let the world grow, and then later on, you can start fleshing it out with stuff that the players might not come across if that's what you want to do, you know, where you can start building stuff out just in case they zig where you think they're going to zag. But in the beginning, you absolutely want to have, you know, your your foundation set, Uh, just a solid base, a good starting location. You know, adventure hooks, calls to action, the inciting incidents, things like that. But I got every faith in you, Jules. I know you can do it. Spike Pit thinks you can do it. Everybody out here listening knows you can do it. It's going to be awesome. And I can't wait to see what you come up with. All right. Well, let's see what's next.
What's next is my review of the 1984 film Firestarter, starring Drew Barrymore and Martin Sheen and George C. Scott. And we'll get to George C. Scott in a minute. Let me just start off by saying that movie rules. <laughs> that movie absolutely rules. It holds up. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It was so much fun. Uh, I was telling my buddy Woody that it's not one of those 80s movies that's two hours long because it is a Firestarter is about two hours long, but it, stuff happens. Like there are 80s movies where not a lot of stuff happens <laughs> where you'll go in to watch it. You're like, dude, I, I love this movie, man. I love it. And you watch it, it's like, damn, not a lot of stuff happens. But this movie, Firestarter, stuff happens. It's really cool. Uh, yeah, man, it's just awesome. Drew Barrymore rules. And I, I, I just I just have had a crush on Drew Barrymore since I was eight, and I feel good about that. And, yeah, I recommend it. If you have HBO Max, check out Firestarter. It definitely has its flaws. Uh, for one, Drew is playing an eight-year-old kid. And I don't know about you folks, but when I was eight... I didn't get carried by adults very often. <laughs> and in this movie, Drew gets carried, I don't know, maybe uh, 75% too much. It's probably too much. But she gets carried a lot in this movie. She's constantly getting carried by her dad or other people are constantly carrying her around. It's really weird. Uh, <laughs> and Woody goes, when I was talking about it, he's like, yeah, that movie was directed by somebody who never had kids before. <laughs> and I think that's a valid... That's a valid observation. So that's a little weird. And you know, the acting's not the greatest thing in the whole world, but it's good, except for George C. Scott. <laughs> that dude cannot play creepy or sinister. Certainly can't play Native American, but doesn't even pull off creepy or sinister. Like, I'm watching it, and John Rainbird, in the book... And as he's portrayed, as he's supposed to be portrayed in the movie, it's like this super creepy psychopath, murderer, pedophile, creep factory dude. Um, and George C. Scott just cannot pull that off. He does. I never got a feeling of menace from him at all. Martin Sheen does a pretty good job of playing like the asshole government spook agent you know uh does a great job the guy who plays drew barrymore's dad is pretty rad in the movie he's definitely in a bunch of other stuff i don't i don't know my actors at all um but yeah folks it's awesome drew in that movie charlie would be at least bare minimum a 15th level sorcerer with the fire elemental bloodline. She's at least casting ninth level spells because she's casting meteor storm. She's casting fireballs all over the place. Flame strikes, wall of fire. She also has telekinesis. Like she is a spell slinger, dude. And it's, it's just awesome. Oh man. Like you could build Charlie and Pathfinder for sure. I'm sure there might be some other systems out there where you could, but in Pathfinder, you absolutely could, and it would be devastating, dude. It would be really fun to play Charlie. Maybe you could... I, see, I don't even think... I mean, maybe if you started... I don't remember how to make characters in Marvel superheroes anymore, 
but maybe you could if you got enough points or whatever to start with. Anyway, if you have HBO Max, folks, check out Firestarter. The new movie is coming out soon. And, you know, like I said earlier, like Jason has talked about, the trailer looks all right. I'll see it. I don't know if I'll see it in the theaters, but I'm not opposed to the remake of Firestarter as I have been opposed to the remake of other things. And I will be forever opposed to the remake of The Crow if they ever try and commit such a blasphemy. But I don't... Fingers crossed, man. They've been talking about remaking that movie for decades now. It hasn't happened yet. (laughs) So yeah, that was the end of my Sunday night, right? It was real nice. I got some pizza, took a shower, watched a movie, got all comfy. It was a nice end to a fun weekend. Had Friday night, went out with some buddies, had a really good time, drank a bunch of beer, shot the shit, had a really good time. Uh, Saturday, had a fun game of Wrath of the Righteous with my crew. That was Saturday. And then Sunday, yeah, watched Firestarter and ate some pizza. Nice, nice end. So here's hoping for a good week for me and for all of you. And for those of you who have already started your week, I hope it's going well. Jules, I hope you listened to this episode and you got some good uh, some good pointers there from old Spike Pit coming correct with some awesome knowledge. Carl, thank you so much for the question. Spike Pit, thank you for the call. And yeah, folks, take it easy. I love you all. You're wonderful people. Game hard. Ooh, and my gaming isn't even really done yet because tomorrow I have the one-shot game that I'm playing in of Rule Cyclopedia. So Daya the Fighter is going to make his debut, dude. D-I-A-H down in a heap. <laughs> He's got his pole oil and rope. He's got his... Um... Shit. I got to look at what weapons he has. And I got to... <laughs> I've talked so much about his equipment. I got to finally figure, like, settle on what he's going to be rocking. He's going to have some good armor, not having a shield, probably a big axe. That's what I'm feeling for Daya. Let's get to Diane. Anyway, everybody, I'm really excited about that game. I'll let you know how that goes. And yeah, so until next time, have a wonderful week. Peace out. <laughs>